0: Hey everyone, before we start off this new episode of the Domestique Cycling Podcast, I would like to invite you to the Domestique Social Ride. What is the Domestique Social Ride? Well, it's a social ride that takes place on August 20th in Belgium. If you'd like to attend, you can find the pre-registration form in the description below. We will ride 80 kilometers around the stunning scenery of the Flemish Ardennes, uh, the scenery of the Ronde van Vlaanderen, so... If you want to be there, go fill in the form and we'll see you there. Now, enjoy this latest episode of the Domestic Cycling Podcast.
1: Will Jonas Vingegaard be able to keep his yellow jersey until Paris? Yes. Will Tadej Pogacar get any better during this Tour de France? Yes. Has Wout van Aert been saving energy so far for the Worlds in Glasgow? No. Is Jasper Philipsen a dangerous sprinter?
2: No. I've got the spores, the sickness, twins
3: in my brain.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we still have a tour de France. Jonas Vingegaard crushed Tadej Pogacar on Col de Marie Blanc. Tadej Pogacar did the same to the Dane on Cotteret Cambasque. What are our insights after two impressive days in the Pyrenees? Let's get started. Welcome, Bram, Josh and Dieter. Hey, oh. hello. Guys, um, we'll start this review with uh, stage five, the stage from Po to La which eventually Jai Hindley won. Um, but it all started with a huge breakaway fight, right?
0: Yeah, uh, that was uh, amazing to watch. Uh, I think it took 45 minutes to an hour for a break to get away. Uh, and then the, the break that did get away was. Absolutely amazing and massive, thirty-six riders, I believe, and the quality of the riders in them was uh, um, mind-blowing.
1: Even Daley pogacar tried himself to be part of that breakaway. I don't know if if it was seriously or was it kind of playing. What do you guys think?
3: I mean, I think if he could have gotten it and it had thirty seconds, he wouldn't. He wouldn't kind of give up. Um, you know, they always say it's better to be ahead than behind, don't they? So why not? He's the sort of rider who'd do it, and I I would have been exciting to see. Um, but Hindley made up for it, I think.
1: Looking back at it now, the fact that Jay Hindley was there with Conrad and Buchman, that was a nightmare for UAE Team Emirates.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't understand how they let it go out that quickly. Maybe they just didn't know in the first seconds gap that they had. Uh, but that gap for the break went out. Well, once that group was established, it went out pretty fast. Uh, So I think they got kind of surprised that nobody saw that Hindley sort of snuck in with two of his teammates. Um, I'm guessing that's the advantage of that uh, camo green uh, color jersey. Just sneak into breakaways.
1: Did you get the impression that um, UAE was worried about the fact that Hindley was in there?
2: Mm,
0: I think they were a little bit, but not that much.
3: Yeah, it didn't seem kind of urgent chasing, did it? I'll just drop my uh, mouse. It didn't seem super urgent. I think they, uh, I think it, it, it's always been a kind of Jonas and Taje against the rest, isn't it? They've always been kind of a, a level above. Um, and I think they were relatively confident that the gap that was there was always going to be whittled down. And they can afford to lose kind of a minute to anyone who isn't Vinka Go. Um,
1: UAE team Emirates took the chase on their shoulders. Um, Yeah, putting Jumbo visma really in the sofa, the guys were relaxed Um, at a certain point uh, Soler, he was in the break but he had to wait for the peloton was that a smart move?
3: I think certainly in hindsight it ended up being because Tajay clearly didn't I know he said that his his legs felt okay but they clearly weren't amazing Um, and so I don't think there's much Soler could have done as kind of a satellite rider anyway um, so I think having that extra rider in the bunch maybe not I'd, an advantage, but it didn't hurt.
1: I don't know if I agree, knowing that Vinegard dropped Bogachar on the Marie Blanc. maybe if Soler was still at the front, he could have worked uh for Pugachar because now Tare was on his own with Sepkuz in his wheels
3: yeah I, th- I think I think that's fair. I think. Can't even remember. Did they, they got a bit of rotation, didn't they, uh, in that chasing group? But Finger was just so strong; he was putting time into. I think there was ten of them, wasn't there? Um, so, <laughs> would one more have made a big difference? I mean, it's hard to know, isn't it?
1: Um, who was part of the breakaway as well was Felix Gall. Um Did I know you? Ha- you definitely have an opinion about Felix Gull being there and his uh, his way of racing so far.
2: To be honest, he's been very impressive today, too. I didn't understand why he was clamping on that long. I think he even finished before uh, Ben O'Connor twice, I think. Uh, yeah, yesterday, of course. And today, too, I think four places in front of him. But, yet, but he has nothing to search in GC anymore. So why don't you wait on Ben O'Connor then? If you... That's the only reason I see him clamping on a GC because otherwise he's just wasting energy and making it harder for him to win polka dots. But I think he's going to get it's going to get very tough in the end of the second week and the third week for him, uh, especially if he's riding like this and not taking rest days. Um, during the two Pyrenees stages. We've seen kind of few
1: candidates that are interested in the polka dots. Uh, Felix Gall, he got to wear it on stage uh, six. There was also Chicone. Uh, Danny Martinez was interested. Um, Paulus was there on the Turmales stage. Um, Guerrero? Guerrero is interested, indeed. Johannesson, even. Who has the best cards, in your opinion?
2: That's tough. I think, like. Chicconi is the man who already proved he can do it. He can uh, suffer for three weeks. He can, can handle that volume. Uh, but, but it will be an, an interesting fight, I think. In the Tour, it's always the most interesting fight. In the Giro and the Vuelta, it's always like... If someone is interested in it, the rest is, is some uh, sometimes not even trying anymore. But in the Tour, a lot of good climbers who are not in GC one it's that's, that's amazing to see so
1: if you got to pick one name
3: i don't i mean i don't hmm. think we're much further away from or much closer than we, than we were when we made our predictions before the race started i mean i'm looking at stage 17 and there's 45 points up for grabs um which is more than i think anyone's got combined at the moment um yeah. so you kind of see maybe who looks strong now but the tour's three weeks long to bring out that old cliche. So I think um, certainly Ciccone and that and those riders do look good, but who knows?
1: To be honest, I got some doubts about Nielsen Paulus. Um, he's wasted a lot of energy already. Uh, you saw that today as well. He tried to be there to get the points, but on Tourmalet, he, yeah, I don't know, he was fifth or sixth. Um, so for him, it
2: might be difficult. Yeah, uh, I, think a, he... um, I think he's not a good enough um, of a climber. Uh, and just the, the competition, uh, Ciccone, uh, like you said, Martinez, um, the GC guys can still win it, Jonas or oh, So, yeah, it, too much competition for a guy like Paulus to win it. Maybe in the Giro or the Vuelta, he could win it, but not in the Tour. right? looking back at the move of Jai Hindley, going
1: into that breakaway, winning the stage, uh, taking yellow, has it been smart knowing that on day two he suffered a lot?
0: I think it was. um, At the end of uh, that stage, stage six, uh, he's still third in GC with quite a comfortable lead over fourth place. So, from what it looks like right now, it seems that, you know, He's going to be third and this move sort of made that happen. Now he just has to follow whoever comes behind him. He can try to follow uh, Jonas and uh, Pogacar. Uh, but I think he also realized that beating them is going to be really hard. Uh, so I think he's sort of got his uh, assurance on the third podium spot. Yeah, he's set for place three.
1: I think we can agree on that if all goes well. Um Called the Marie Blanc. Then there was a new climbing record for uh, Jonas Vinjegard. Uh, Dieter,
2: you're the the power man. Yeah, um, it was tough to uh, calculate uh, that apparently yesterday, as the roads uh, apparently had been renewed. Uh, but yeah, of course you you also saw saw it um, by. How fast he went in comparison to the others that, that the performance was just outrageous. Um, I read it was 6.95 uh, watts for 20 minutes and his, the fastest, uh, the steep part, uh, 12 minutes was like 7.3 watts per kilo for 12 minutes. Maybe a, a bit less, uh, because of the, the new road, but it won't be much off. So it's it's going to be something like that, and that, that's just crazy. <laughs> Before
1: the Tour de France started, you made a list of some dark horses, and if I recall correctly, Emmanuel Buchmann was in there, or wasn't he? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. He was pretty important for Jai Hindley on stage five, but unfortunately, being fourth or fifth in GC, he had to work uh, the next day. Yeah. Um, Tokus through his
2: power file on stage five, on the Marie Blanc. Um, maybe first about his decision to let him work today, I thought it was a pretty dumb decision to be honest from Bora because like let's be honest, you're not going to come up first or second in g c don't waste muhammad's top ten plays and play play on two horses um but outside of that, this power file yesterday was very impressive, and um apparently, I even used uh to a weight, a weight too high. I used 62 kilos. Uh, someone said that he, um, that Boras said that he weighed um, 57 kilos uh, in German nationals. So yeah, we, we are now two weeks after, so he we still weighs something like that. Uh, and other persons all told me he's definitely not over 60 kilos. So that makes his power file even more impressive. And uh, just yesterday was a, a day of tempo the whole day and they still uh, went over 6 watts per kilo on every climb where they rode fast so it was a very impressive how far
1: does anyone know where Buchmann is in gc
2: now after the pyrenees pretty long i saw him coming in uh, in the stage today pretty far behind so uh, Fif- no- 15th 15th place yeah. and yeah. Wh- what difference
3: six and a half minutes.
1: All right, so now that Jai Hindley is settled for place three, he might get some freedom in breakaways. And then, yeah,
2: he's a monster. It's true, but maybe Borja are going to let him work all the time. But maybe if I if they let him go in, in the break, then, uh, yeah. Do I you really think Bora even... will make him work? If, if they even let him work today while he was... Important GC, and you can actually call it 30 GC as yeah, but that was, was because 14. of the yellow jersey of Hindley.
1: Yeah, no. I think no, it's I sort think of going to act season. like
0: a bodyguard uh, for uh, Hindley, where he just has to stay with, with him, same as Kuss stays with whatever Jumbo Visma has as their leader. Um, I think it's going to open up opportunities for other riders in in Bora, like Bob Jungles. Yeah, the way
1: I'm thinking now, he will be in my domestic picks. Uh, one of the next uh, two weeks, I think. Um, sure. Sepkosz on the Marie Blanc. How impressive! Once again, year after year after year, Grand Tour after Grand Tour, he's there. Yeah. And I have the feeling he's a little underestimated for what he's doing. Uh, after uh,
2: the think. Giro too. Go ahead after the the Giro 2 where he also was at a, at a very high level um, made, I think the best climber uh, so, at some sometimes in uh, in the Giro and then to get that whole grand tour in the legs uh, he, he went on altitudes pretty fast after Giro I followed I followed him closely on Strava and he started doing intervals uh, very quickly I thought well, mm, that's going to be uh, tough uh, with the eye in the tour but he handle he handles all the volume and, and he's still very good as, that's insane.
1: When Vinigard attacked Tare Pogacar he couldn't respond. Yeah. Were you guys surprised? Probably but
2: no you, did you weren't? No, I didn't think it's before the stage yesterday, but when you saw on the climb the, the high tempo, you just felt, and Kuz started pacing while Ue uh, was pacing first, you just felt it coming that Jonas said, I'm sitting here with bonkers legs, pace, and I'm going to attack um So you, knew the, you stage, knew the first attack would be the right one? To be honest, I, that's a risk. Yeah, I you didn't just think felt. Yeah, uh, but I I was more convinced about Jonas than you, I think. So that's also yeah, pretty logical that you didn't think that. Then.
1: Um what were your thoughts after the stage yesterday evening? Mine. Everyone's. Huh. It's not all about you, Dieter.
0: <laughs> uh, personally, I I sort of thought, well, this is gonna become a very boring tour. Um with uh, Jonas taking so much time away um and well also closing on down time on Hindley quite fast. So yeah I I just thought okay that's gonna be Jonas with a three to four minute lead by the end of the second week. Uh what will we do in week three? I don't know. And
1: heading in uh, heading towards that second Pyrenees stage what were your thoughts about that, Josh?
3: Oh, I thought it was going to be a copy and paste to be honest um it uh, was on such a different level to everyone, wasn't it that i I was hoping and betting for a breakaway victory just because I didn't think vin would struggle to win uh, if he was anywhere near contention um but as it turns out <laughs> we we segue on to onto the today's stage
1: um. About that breakaway in stage 6, Wout van Aert uh, was the first one to attack at kilometer zero, even meter zero, I think. Um, yeah, the the quality was there in that breakaway with Van Aert, Van der Poel, Alaphilippe, Paulus, Guerrero. But still, I think it was Bora um, who didn't let the gap grow over three minutes, three and a half. Yeah,
0: Why? I mean, I think, oh yeah, we have the yellow jersey. We have to control. It's what the yellow jersey team does. Uh, I think they just fell into that role and, yeah, kind of made a mistake because they really don't need to. Like, sure, they have the yellow jersey, but, like, Jumbo's not going to chase. Well, eventually they did, but uh, that was so that uh, <laughs> they could set up an attack. Um, and UA, yeah, they're. Uh, yesterday they, uh, the day before, they got a, uh, a little punishment, so it did sort of fall to Bora.
1: The first interesting point uh, in the race was, I think, the intermediate sprint. Uh, Brian Kokar once again, he's been in a lot of breakaways already, so he took a nice amount of points. I think he's now second or third in uh, seconds in classification for uh, for green. But Wout van Aert. He got second. And then Bram, the Wout van Art green jersey believer, he said, look at this.
0: I mean, why would you not? He's just taking easy points. Uh, maybe as like a, a backup plan for if something happens with Vingegaard that, you know, the team can end up winning. But he didn't spend any effort on getting these. Um, so, yeah, yesterday or I would say on stage five, Uh, he also was there for the intermediate. He got fourth at that, but he didn't try to get points at all. He even let, um, yeah, there was, he even let people ahead of him saying like, well, I'm not interested. Just take them. Um, That's really interesting that he's doing it that way.
1: I'm curious to hear your opinion after six stages. Do you think it is somewhere on his mind?
0: In the back of his mind, I think so. Uh, I don't think he's going to make it explicit and like try and go for these. But what he did today was clearly saying "Eh, it's it's still there somewhere. Uh, What he did on stage five would imply that he doesn't care at all. But he's taking points.
1: Mathieu van der Poel could have played the role of the perfect teammate at the intermediate, but he didn't. He didn't take away points of Kokkar and uh, Wout van Aert, which was kind of
2: remarkable uh, in my eyes. Very strange. He could easily, without spending too much energy even taking those uh, at least the third place and also probably second place and maybe even first place, to be honest. He's like, not that slow. <laughs> So, yeah, that was very strange in my opinion.
1: Actually, I thought that was the main reason of him being part of that breakaway. Because, yeah, on, on the uphill sections, Van der Poel isn't able to to hang on. But what was the idea after Van der Poel being part of the breakaway today?
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know why he was there, to be honest. I don't think he had it in him to win the stage. Uh, he, I don't think he's good enough of a, a, a climber on the longest climbs. Uh, so taking those points should have been his only job, but maybe the, the team failed to communicate that on time to him. Um that yeah. So basically he got third. Why would he take third? Like if he really doesn't know about these things, he should have like just be somewhere in the back of the group, but he still took third without putting in any effort. Let's talk Jumbo Visma.
1: Uh Gold de Turmale. Yeah, they put on a big show. Calderman uh ripped things apart. And yeah, Tade, Vinegaard and Kus were the only riders left in the wheels, I think.
0: Mm, Yates followed for a well Adam Yates followed for a, a minute as well, or, I think. Oh, but, <laughs> well, <a minute. laughs> sure. but yeah, he got dropped pretty fast. Uh yeah. Jumbo on these things are just very impressive. Uh and then to to think before the, the tour, a lot of uh, podcasts, maybe even this one, uh, were saying that, you know, their team doesn't look as impressive as last year. Um, but they're still able to do the same thing where they can just isolate uh, Pogacar with quite ease and then have all of the UAE domestics chasing behind. And
1: still, there was Tish Benoit who dropped all of a sudden. I think after five kilometers of climbing, he still looked pretty pretty good. Um, do you think the team said uh, Tish, save some energy, we'll fix it?
0: I think he's taking it as, uh, well, this day I don't have to uh, put in the effort. Um, maybe uh, for the Puy de Dome stage he'll be there, uh, so that they're switching off up the roles a little bit.
1: But you see, that that's even more impressive. They put on a big show on Tourmalet and still they can say to a rider, "Yeah, take it easy." And besides that, they have one of their best riders in the breakaway. We need to talk about Wout van Aert. What he did today again—that was vintage Wout van Aert Tour de France edition.
3: I mean, it's um, insane, isn't yeah. it? The, and the strategies were perfect. Even the gap—it seemed like Vingegaard didn't attack when his legs felt good. He attacked so that the gap would work I mean I'm sure there was a bit of both but it just all fell perfectly just as the descent was flattening out bat was at the front to to drag them I mean almost I was going to say to the foot the climb but it wasn't even to the foot was it it was like two-thirds of the way up yeah um, it's
1: just five kilometers just to
3: incredible. go incredible yeah I mean if you, if you could have one teammate you'd have him wouldn't you you know if you could have one teammate for the whole tour it, he'd exactly. be your guy it's just um, another level
1: What's funny is that he said before the race, I want to save energy, but there hasn't been one moment or one stage in which he saved energy. Like the opening stage in the Basque Country, um, called the Peak, he went all out to follow. Second stage, he went all out to get back Bilbao and then all the others in order to have the sprint. Stage three, he sprinted. Stage four, yeah, he tried to sprint. Stage five, he was in a breakaway. Stage six, he was there too. Come on.
0: He did say that he had his eyes on every stage uh, this week. So I, I think he's living up to that, uh, <laughs> uh, that statement. Uh, but yeah, he's not saving anything. Uh, and to be fair, when you said that, he's the, the greatest teammate. I think he would just like himself as a teammate as well sometimes. There's only
1: one person on this planet who can make sure Votes saves energy. That's his wife.
3: Oh, I was going to say, I think one of the reasons he's leaving it all on the road is because he might not be here for the rest of the tour. Um, any day could, could be his last on the tour. So I think, yeah, he may as well get out the good performances while he's, uh, while he's here. Right. But I, I bet the whole of Jumbo are uh, hoping that his wife holds on for a bit longer. Not you guys, that you can do that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> What
1: were your expectations at the foot of the climb to and Basque?
0: Devastation. Uh, a devastating attack from uh, Vinggo and a uh, drop to Pogacar. I that would happen. Um, it, the reverse is true. What
1: was the biggest surprise the past two days? The fact that Pogacar dropped on the Marie Blanc or the fact that he won solo today?
0: Uh, for me, it's the second.
3: I disagree. I think it's the first. If you're you at that climb yesterday, well. yeah, that climb yesterday, 20 minutes. That's in Pragacha's sweet spot. It wasn't too hot. It was quite sheltered, and he completely. Well, I mean, he didn't even blow up. Did he? Vingegaard was just on another level, but he was miles behind. Whereas today, you think, oh, massive long climb, exposed, longer day. De- well, harder day, probably in the saddle. Um, the finish kind of was a bit more rolling, a bit more punchy. Um, but I think the performance today was surprising because of the performance yesterday. Um, yeah, exactly. But outright, yeah, it was the uh, the performance yesterday was more surprising, I thought.
0: Yeah, I do agree with that. It's just that what came yesterday sort of would say that, OK, Pugetra is maybe not at the level uh, needed to to really compete with Venga go here. Uh, and then today, he does and drops him. I think that is a lot more surprising. Uh, then uh, I think you're dropping Pogacar, which has happened.
1: Dieter, you as the big Jonas believer,
2: did you cry today? <laughs> <laughs> Almost, uh, but no. I think uh, yesterday Jonas was at was at his level and Pogacar was at his level. Today Pogacar was at his level and Jonas wasn't as his wasn't at his level. So I think uh, today is the biggest surprise uh, for me. And uh, I barely quite this. <laughs>
1: What's your analysis of the final of the attack of Tale, the response of uh,
2: Vingard? I think Jonas had the feeling he had to attack uh, because all of the work Yumbo have done for him, and after he just kept, uh, yeah, riding on the front for Pogacar basically, um, and like that he literally. Gave him, gave him a lead out to be honest and that didn't help Jonas here uh, but outside of that Pogacar was just better than Jonas today because doesn't do that much to take the front.
1: I was wondering did Jumbo race too hard for Winningard today?
2: That normally is good for, for Jonas so.
1: Do you think what happened today will change their way of racing?
2: Yeah, they they were just overconfident today, maybe. I think Jonas and uh definitely Jonas in himself, if you saw how he wrote the final climbing because you saw him being surprised when Pogacar attacked him. He he literally has like had like a, a surprise face, like what? <laughs> so yeah, that that says enough to be honest. After the Pyrenees, who is the
1: mental winner? Oh, that's a hard
2: one. Equal? Uh, I think I think it say? depends. Equal. Cool, I,
3: cool. I think it depends on how Pagacha's wrist is and only Pagacha knows that. Because that attack today, you could see when he got out of the saddle, he can't quite put as much weight on his left arm as his right arm, which obviously makes sense. Um but, you know, if he has a little crash or something and kind of tweaks it a bit more, that it is, is clearly not right, and so that's going to really pull him down, I think. Um, I, but if his risk getting better and stays better, I think Pagacha will only get stronger kind of as a result of that as well.
1: Um, exactly. If he gets better towards third week and he reaches his peak there, then yeah, man, we're in for the ride. But once yeah, again, Peter doesn't bro- agree.
2: Pagacha <laughs> <laughs> is riding at his peak. At the moment, Fingerhut too. So if like it could be that Jonas actually, states... I don't believe that. I don't believe that
1: Pogacar is one hundred percent
2: right now. What's yesterday? Where one of the best he ever did. Jonas was just even better.
1: Yeah, one one minute and a half almost on the climb.
2: No, no, on the climb it was thirty seconds or something. 30? Gap. I think. All right. I thought it was 30. Almost 40.
1: Um, We need to talk about the rest of the guys who are going for GC. Any insights? Uh, we, we've we got a David Goodie lover in here, so we need to talk about him.
3: Well, he looks better than he looked in the Dauphine, doesn't he? He looks much better than he looks in the Dauphine. Couldn't, couldn't be to honest. Uh, he came thirtieth there, you know. That's a respectable result. Maybe not. Okay, yeah. It was. It was. It was a disaster. Um, yeah. I. He's well in in that podium fight. He's sitting seventh at the moment. I think you know. He. He kind of. I'm hoping he gets stronger throughout the race. Um, why not? He's. I'm just looking now, and he's two and a half minutes off the podium. Um, yeah. You know, that, that. That. That's one stage. That's one good stage. Do you uh, call that being all in the? Two and a half minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Tadjo if... was two and a half minutes down on Vingegaard after the Grand arm last year, and everyone backed him still. So, yeah, could do hype train for the podium. Leaving now.
1: <laughs> um, for top five, are there any other
2: names you guys are thinking about that look decent? Uh, I said, the pause. I said before uh, the uh, the tour, Simon Philip Yates will enter it, and I still think. He will finish third.
0: I do have to say that Simon Yates does look very strong, um, but I think Rodriguez potentially even more so. Um, yep. He also has a, a stronger team. That if they, for example, start you know uh, doing silly tactics for the the last podium spot, that they have more to play with than uh, a Jayco Alula. Uh, so I think Rodriguez going to be a, a really interesting uh, writer to watch
1: guys. Do you it's... remember what I said a couple of weeks ago about, uh, Ineos and Pitcock that he might be a
0: top 10 candidate?
1: Well, yeah, we're, we're on the way
0: and he'll have to work from now on. Like right now he's sitting in, in spot nine, but uh, with Rodriguez being a podium candidate, uh, He'll have to sacrifice his his chances, and I don't see him. Uh, well, if he wants to go for breaks, then he now has to lose time. So, I think he prefers a stage win uh, over it's a, uh, a GC a pity, top ten.
1: It's a pity Eve isn't here. Um, the guy didn't believe in uh, Tom Pitcock, but now when he will he be listening Caleb to Pughen. this, yeah, Kelly Pieterman. We we will talk about him as well. <laughs> Um, (laughs) talking about the sprinter stages stage 7 will be one of the flattest stages of this Tour de France so it might be useful to review stages 3 and 4 as well which uh, Jasper Philipsen won back to back but yeah there were a lot of riders saying that Jasper Philipsen is a dangerous
2: sprinter they see it better than we do in, in the bunch, um, I think Fabio Jacobsen said it and Danny van Poppel said it. Those two, I think. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, they see it better than, than we do. And the crash of Jacobsen did look pretty strange. Like it did look that he got a, got a push from the, from the left. And then he tapped the, uh, the wheel of Dion Smith. And nope. Yeah.
1: He said that in an interview himself, he didn't tap the wheel of the intermarché rider in front of him. He said the opposite train that passed by on his left side, I think, um, caused the crash. So basically, he Bobby said Jacobson it was... Himself. Yeah, he said that before the, uh, the start of stage 5, I think.
0: Hmm. all yeah. sprinter's
1: drama. <laughs> Let's go back to stage uh, 3. The sprint against uh Wout van Aert with that um yeah S turn at the end. Was Philipson. did did he make a mistake
0: there? No. I think he just sprinted to the line. Um it's not his fault that they put uh, curves like that in the in the parkour. Yeah. Uh, a sprinter sees the line and looks at the fastest way to get there. Um so actually he rode a straight line. It's just that the parkour wasn't in a straight line, so you can't relegate him for that. Wout van
1: Art said um, afterwards that Philipsen, that he was lucky. It wasn't uh, Peter Sagan who was in his wheel because the guy would have pushed him uh, away.
2: That's true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. Uh, Wout is is not there for, you know, the, the green jersey, he says. Um so he's not going to look for trouble and, like, trying like really squeeze through. Because if he wanted to, he could have. But then maybe they both went down and then uh, both their tours are potentially over. but uh, well, has bigger works uh, for this tour. Is Jasper Philipsen... And... Oh, Josh, go ahead.
3: I was going to say Wout's just coping because he now knows he's going to be second choice for the World Championships. That's my <laughs> hot take for the podcast.
1: The hot take coming from a godou lover. <laughs> uh
2: is <Damn>. Philipsen <laughs> the is Philipsen the best sprinter in this Tour de France? Yeah, I can't say no. Yeah. I think
1: is he on his way to win four stages for example?
0: Potentially. Like uh I don't think Jakobsen is going to be able to be a, a threat on stage 7. I think he's still recovering from his wounds. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I think intrinsically in, in terms of speed, Jakobsen would be the closest. Uh, so with him having to recover for uh, at least uh, the next week, uh, maybe what? But then it has to be a harder stage.
1: Um, about the second win of Jasper Philipsen, there was the relegation um of Mathieu van der Poel. Oh yeah, can you call it a relegation? it's um he bumped into Bini Girmai was that a big mistake in your
3: eyes I think if it results in your teammate winning it's not not a mistake is it? it's it's a bonus um and I think it's a good point you know the the rules don't treat cycling like a team sport that we all know it is um and so if Vanderpool gets a penalty and a 200 swiss franc fine but it means his mate's going to win a stage of the Tour de France
1: no. actually that that's pretty ridiculous yeah
3: it is but he's just playing by the rules right? he, he broke yeah, the rules, he, sure. he faced the consequences, the rules aren't up to scratch but I'm not sure how is, you... is,
1: Phillips is the more than deserved winner but yeah. without that bump he would never have had won Caleb Ewan was one <laughs> Caleb Ewan yeah go ahead about Caleb Ewan Dieter. what do you think of him
2: yeah he was um the performance manager of, of lotto sets Caleb Yoon was pushing his pushing his best numbers ever and he and he pushed some damn good numbers uh in the last years and uh, so to be better than that then you are very good uh, and i think he proved that and uh, he wrote i think we can say he wrote the best uh sprint of them all in the mall in stage 4 he came from from far um, but he needed to punch the the hole in the air in the air himself as he couldn't follow someone. He went through the middle uh, alone, so he didn't get a crazy slipstream or something, and he still
0: nearly won. So that was very impressive, I think. One thing I, I do find very interesting about uh, Ewan and how he's sprinting now is his position on the bike has changed quite dramatically. Uh, he got onto the scene quite famously, for his very extreme uh, arrow position uh, when he's sprinting, basically with his chin on the front tyre. He's not doing that anymore. He's way more in traditional position. Um, I'm curious if that has an impact on him pushing his best numbers, that he's being able to put out a little bit more watts, um, but has a little bit of a, an aero uh, disadvantage then.
2: Maybe they tested that the Benefits of more power outweigh the benefits of the the arrow.
0: Could be.
3: I do you think it? it's interesting though. I mean, if you look at the um the numbers, he's come in the top ten. I think it's fifteen times this season, and he's won twice. And one of those was a uh, um like the crit that they do before the uh tour down under. And that you know, for a sprinter who's meant to be one of the best in the world, that's just not good enough, is it really? Um it seems like he kind of stalls in that last kind of 50 meters of the sprint. I mean, looking at his results again, he's got so many seconds and thirds. And I don't know if it, if it is because he's changed his position or if he's launching a bit too early, but he just needs to, that final kind of 50, 25 meters, he needs he almost needs to run out of steam. And I think he just needs that little bit extra.
0: I think it's actually the opposite, where it's always that he comes up really quickly, but too late. Um, and that he, he runs out of road. Um, I don't think there's ever a case where like there's a sprint and he starts first and someone remounts him. It's oh. always where like he has to come from Narnia to try and get uh, ahead of him, but it's not happening.
1: Dieter, there's one guy we need to talk about. Jordi Meus. Um, you said about him, he'll get close to a stage win or maybe win one. Do you
2: still yeah. believe that? Yeah, and... Uh... The first stage, stage three, the first sprint stage, he wasn't positioned well. And in the fourth stage, uh, he was behind Fabio Jakobsen crashing and he fully rode over Jakobsen's bike and lost all speed there. And at that moment, Bora chose to sprint with Van Poppel. And Meuss still managed to get 15th, which is even pretty good, I think, because he needed to, uh, it was with two kilometers to go, I think. And Jordi Murs needed to uh, get back to speed and do it all on his own. So I don't think we now need to rule him out for a stage win all of a sudden. And uh, like I think he's a bit like Philipsen. He's not just a sprinter. Meurs um, can write uh, classics pretty good. I think it was 15 in, in Roubaix last year. Then you are a strong boy. Um, and second week... Uh, or third week in the sprints where guys like Groenewegen, and Jakobsen are very uh, tired, That's those are maybe better stages for Meus, could be.
1: All right, guys. Um, one more question to conclude this episode. Who will be on the top podium spot in Paris in two weeks?
0: Still finger-go. Yeah, agreed. finger
1: all right, that makes it 3 to 1, because I know it will be Tade Pogacar.
0: Oh, you know, do you? You've seen <laughs> the script, Netflix. <laughs> but I'm it's all yours. I, I do actually, before I do the outro, uh, want to mention a, a quote from Wad van Aert that came in uh, while we were recording. Uh, after the criticism that he might not have the legs from last year, he called those people, uh, those, well, the critiquing voices, uh, people who don't know much about cycling. Hopefully quote. who um, is he talking about <laughs> I think some people in the Belgian media <laughs> but for the outro well that's a wrap for today's The Masique Cycling Podcast a big thank you to our audience for tuning in if you enjoyed the episode consider supporting us on Ko-Fi or Twitter and if you're on YouTube hit subscribe and turn on notifications we appreciate your support and look forward to seeing you next time au revoir à bientôt
2: I've got Bye. the spot Sickness Let's be twisted